Many businesses rely on third-party data providers to help target audiences in the booming digital ad industry. However, what data is being collected and its use remains opaque to most consumers. Right now in the US, there are still no comprehensive federal laws regarding data privacy, although some states are pushing their own laws. Apparently, some of the rules surrounding data privacy are gradually changing. In 2021, Apple restricted how users are tracked on its devices, and Google is planning similar restrictions for its Chrome browser later this year. Along these lines, we now know that churches and non-profit organizations, which have long deployed traditional advertising, have started to use other platforms to find those people they believe are currently in crisis or are likely to soon be in crisis. Some churches are creating their own online content about mental health issues or trying to reach people with ads on social media platforms that allow advertisers to target specific audiences based on complex algorithms. Some of those platforms have said that they have strict policies around the use of ad targeting and that they give their users tools to manage the ads that they see. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Beat Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemir Lovinde. On this episode, I will discuss the downward trend in religion in the US since 2009, how churches and religious services have changed since the pandemic began, and then I'll wrap up with how some churches are using data analytics to target potential worshippers. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So in the first part of this episode, I'll be talking about the downward trend in religion in the U.S. since 2009. So in October 2019, the Wall Street Journal published a report by the Pew Research Center that showed that religion is on the decline in the U.S., with less than half of the American adults who were surveyed indicating that they attended church regularly, while 26% claimed no religious affiliations. Furthermore, the report showed that the ranks of people who do not adhere to any faith are growing fast, while church attendance has fallen steeply. According to that Pew survey, Christians made up 65% of the U.S. adult population, down from 77% a decade prior in 2009. At the same time, those who do not identify with any religion, often known as nones, N-O-N-E-S, made up more than a quarter of the population, compared with just 17% back in 2009. Furthermore, only 45% of adults said they attended church at least once a month, down from 52% back in 2009. So that data from back in 2019 reflected a seismic social reordering that had seen the population shift away from Christianity and towards religious disaffiliation. Some nuns are atheists or agnostics, while others consider themselves spiritual, but they do not adhere to any particular religious habits or traditions. Furthermore, according to that 2019 Pew Research study, every age group, racial group, and region of the country is now less Christian than back in 2009. So less than half of millennials, which was the youngest demographic group in the study, identified as Christian, with 40% of them claiming that they are unaffiliated. On the other hand, 
the oldest demographic group, those born between 1928 and 1945, also known as the silent generation, identified as 84% Christian, while 10% of them were unaffiliated. Protestants fell to 43% of the population, and that was down from 51% in 2009, while Catholics fell 3 percentage points from 23% in 2009 to 20% in 2019. Within the 26% of U.S. adults who were religiously unaffiliated, atheists grew to 4% of the overall population from 2%, agnostics increased from 3% to 5%, and those who identified as nothing in particular rose from 17%, it rose from 12% to 17%. Non-Christian religions essentially held steady. Jews remained at 2% of the population, and Muslims remained at 1%. So that's the background for this episode that shows the downward trend in religion in the U.S. Up next, I'll discuss the way churches and religious services have changed in the U.S. since the start of the pandemic. So a lot of churches changed during the pandemic, and many of them are not going back. Religious leaders are now trying to attract members for the long term, basically trying to create an organizational model that is resilient against future pandemics and recessions. So as I started the episode with, the number of churchgoers has steadily dropped in the US over the past few decades. Incidentally, COVID and its lockdown restrictions accelerated that fall. As a result, in-person church attendance is now roughly 30 to 50% lower than before the pandemic, according to estimates by Barna Group, which is a research firm that studies faith in the U.S. So while religious leaders expect some rebound once the pandemic um, recedes, many of them don't expect attendance to return to previous levels, which has left churches looking for different approaches to connect with existing members and also attract new ones. Among Catholic, mainline Protestant, Evangelical, and other congregations, many religious leaders are laying plans for a more hybrid future with permanent online services, which is basically a shift from the in-person gatherings that have been at the core of worship for centuries. Beyond technology, some churches are focused on boosting engagement with small gatherings of congregants for discussion groups or community service and putting more emphasis on a one-on-one relationship with God. Banner Group's research suggests that tens of thousands of churches are at risk of closing because of membership declines and other long-term problems that the pandemic made worse. A dip in tithes and offerings is forcing some churches to prepare for permanently smaller budgets with less real estate, fewer staff members, and smaller programs. Some churches had to take out millions of dollars in federal paycheck protection program loans for their parishes to offset declines in donations from tithes and offerings. Some churches expect that worship will increasingly move outside their physical buildings and expand into new ways to meet in person. That includes so-called micro-gatherings of members of the same church or at-home events designed to attract those who feel more comfortable in informal settings. 
So the Summit Church is a 12-site Southern Baptist congregation in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. During the pandemic, the church re-engineered its offerings to spawn hundreds of home-based church groups of between 10 to 20 people who worship together on weekends. A few dozen are still running with an in-person leader who engages the participants in a video-streamed church service led by Summit led by Summit Pastor J.D. Greer and helps them process the sermon. The Summit Church plans to keep the program indefinitely. Also focusing on small group worship are Reverend Jad Levi and his wife, Reverend Jamie Levi, who founded Trinitas Church in Phoenix, Arizona back in 2015 as part of the Church of the Nazarene, which is a Protestant denomination. They ditched the impressive gathering space they were leasing even before the pandemic and now exist solely as a collective of small communities that perform mission work, attracting new members by word of mouth. The Trinitas Church have more than a dozen groups of about 5 to 40 people who gather inside veterans and women's centers, a YMCA building in downtown Phoenix, and other places where they feed people, help the homeless find housing, and cultivate their faith. At the downtown Phoenix YMCA, which has dozens of transitional housing units, Reverend Levi shows up every Sunday morning with a griddle and makes pancakes for anyone who wants to join. Then he leads the group in praying for one another, shares an encouraging word from the Bible, and offers communion to whoever wants it. Some churches say a tighter congregation of devoted members will be stronger in the long run. According to Chris DeVos, the executive pastor at Pillar Church in Holland, Michigan, the pandemic crisis helped them clarify their vision and mission. The Pillar Church was founded back in 1847 as a Dutch Reformed congregation. The Pillar Church's efforts aimed at growing small focuses on embodying the gospel outside the four walls of the church. Members gave gift packages to struggling local businesses during the pandemic and put up signs of appreciation for the staff at a nearby hospital. In 2021, the church started renting part of its historic building to a preschool and let businesses and civic groups that needed more space meet there for free. Mr. DeVos said the church plans to keep offering a Zoom class for people who are curious about Christianity because many attendees seem more comfortable expressing doubts in the virtual format. Many traditional churches say they will keep offering live-streamed and recorded Sunday services but will position them as a side door for elderly congregants, sick members, or those who have other reasons not to come to the building. In particular, Catholic churches are wary of Sunday Mass moving prominently online because the Catholic Church's sacramental foundation is essentially built on gathering in person and receiving Holy Communion with other members. Other churches say that virtual Sunday services have allowed them to reach worshippers across the country and also attract younger members. In addition, church leaders say that some Bible study groups that moved to Zoom back in 2020 plan to stay there to allow more people to participate. Pastor Levi Lusco started the 11-site Fresh Life Church with his wife Jenny Lusco back in 2007. With locations stretching from Montana to Utah and Oregon, there are approximately 100 online worshippers for every one in-person worshipper.
Pastor Lusko said that long before COVID, the internet was already altering people's spiritual consumption, and there is a rich heritage of the church embracing technology to get the message out, citing the late Reverend Billy Graham's success in leveraging TV. So up next, I'll discuss how some churches in the U.S. are using data analytics to target potential worshippers. So if you're struggling with grief, death, or if you're on the verge of divorce, churches are now ready to deliver a digital intervention with help from big data. At the forefront of this emerging trend, a small company called Glue, G-L-O-O, has positioned itself to analyze Americans' personal data and online activities to help churches reach people who are most likely to be open to their messages and then join their congregations. So this extra surgical method of evangelization borrows techniques long used by businesses and political campaigns which rely on data to target customers. However, in this realm, the focus is on more personal data and analyses are organized around identifying some of the most challenging moments of people's lives. Just as retailers or political candidates send out online ads to groups of people with particular characteristics, including demographics, browsing activity, purchasing behavior, and other factors that advertising platforms allow their clients to choose, churches can use glue to show ads to groups of people who they believe are most receptive to becoming their members or who they think they could help. Churches say that people facing a personal crisis are more likely to be open to outreach efforts and glue crunches data to try to identify them. For example, the company has said in marketing materials that it can predict the characteristics of people who might have a marriage in trouble, who might suffer from depression or anxiety, or who might have a propensity for drug addiction based on data analysis. Glue incorporates thousands of data points from third-party providers and data it collects through the churches it works with, according to those marketing documents. After the Wall Street Journal started reporting on the company, Glue said it was no longer using mental health data and had changed some of its earlier practices, and one of the company's largest data providers ended its relationship with the firm. Glue also puts together websites that offer to get people suffering from issues like grief or marital distress in touch with local churches. The websites are promoted through ads on social media, through Google ads linked to particular search terms, such as those around loneliness. People can submit their names and contact information through those websites, and Glue then passes them on to local churches. Glue said more than 30,000 churches have signed up for its platform, and the company said that accounts for about 10% of U.S. churches are represented in those 30,000 churches who have signed up for its platform. Clients include free and premium users, and the average premium customer pays about $1,500 a year. For some churches, the online ads are part of an effort to keep their congregations going with the pandemic accelerating years of falling attendance. Westside Family Church, which is a non-denominational Christian church near Kansas City in Kansas, has used glue to try to reach people dealing with financial problems as well as those struggling in the pandemic. 
According to Randy Frazzi, the lead pastor of Westside, the church is committed to going out at whatever cost to find that one lost sheep that needs help. He said the effort for Westside goes beyond finding new church members to services aiming to help the community. On its part, Glue said it was started with a moral imperative to give churches access to the same kind of data and technology used by major corporations. In a written statement to the Wall Street Journal, the company said they believe that was the right thing to do and they are committed to doing it the right way. The company said it follows California and other state privacy laws and the privacy policies of companies like Apple and Google. So Scott Beck is Glue's co-founder. He started the company in 2010 in Boulder, Colorado, and he is an investor and former executive at Blockbuster, Boston Market, and Einstein Bros bagels. With about 200 workers, Glue also works with addiction recovery centers. Glue's marketing document said it had profiles of about 245 million people in the U.S., which is approximately 74% of the entire U.S. population. In one of its predictions, according to those marketing documents, Glue acquired a list of 30,000 divorce couples in the U.S. from a data provider and determined the attributes those couples had in common, such as high credit card activity, recent travel bookings, and a low likelihood to manage their health. So using these variables, the document said Glue found an additional 33 million married Americans whose behaviors followed similar patterns. Glue offers to provide churches with data snapshots to understand their communities better and focus their ministries on relevant issues. For example, a report generated by the Glue platform in September 2021 for Westside Family Church in Kansas City predicted that 25% of marriages within a five-mile radius might be on the verge of a divorce, 26% of people are likely to experience an opioid addiction, and 3% of households have individuals who are either depressed or anxious. Glue said third-party data has always been anonymized to users. It said it does not reveal people's names or exact locations to them. In response to questions from the Wall Street Journal, the company said it also began de-identifying data within its databases back in 2020. Initially, the company said its base file on consumer demographics and finances came from Wonderman Thompson, which is owned by advertising giant WPP PLC. Wonderman said it collects consumer data from a variety of sources, including from licensed data partners and voluntary cost- customer service, and that its clients are required to use its data with best industry practices. Wonderman's data sets do not contain information about addiction, alcoholism, or opioid dependence. In December 2021, just last month, Wonderman terminated its contract with Glue and asked that its data be deleted from Glue's system. Wonderman declined to give a reason for the move, and Glue said Wonderman terminated the contract because the partnership had become public and it had already been in discussions to work with other data providers. Glue declined to say how it identified who had mental health or addiction struggles or where it got such data citing confidentiality agreements with third-party data providers. However, 
Glue CEO Scott Beck later said that Glue had recently stopped using data related to me- mental health and addiction categories. Clients can integrate their internal databases with Glue, adding to its data trove. In addition, the company offers technology that churches can put on their website to collect data, and there are also questionnaires that churches can give their congregants to fill out. Churches say data helps them find more members effectively. Tal Frankfurt is the founder and CEO of Cloud for Good, which is a consulting firm that works with faith-based groups and other non-profits. He said churches want to know who you are, they want to predict your capacity to give generously, and your likelihood of dropping out of a church program. Basically, the same concepts that, that apply to how banks and other financial organizations operate. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has created its own Facebook and Instagram ads aimed at people in various stages of distress, from hospital patients to college students studying for exams. One proposed ad aimed at hospital patients says, quote, Sometimes life doesn't make sense. We're here to pray for you. End quote. Jason Ake is the owner of Waypoint, Waypoint Creative, which is a digital marketing firm that has helped churches with their targeting efforts, including some that use glue. He said people facing a crisis are among the most likely to be receptive to a church message and that the word crisis is a broad term. It could be a death in the family, personality disorders, depression, or anxiety. He said the goal is to convert the people who give an email address or phone number, just like in a brand marketing campaign, and then keep them engaged. Mr. Ake's firm has helped Westside Family Church in Kansas City with its targeting efforts. Chris Connington is a pastor at City on a Hill, which is a Southern Baptist church in the Dallas Fort Worth area. According to him, more than a dozen members of his congregation were grappling with issues such as marital distress, anxiety, and grief after they had searched related terms on Google. He said one of those people was a woman who lost a family member to COVID. She first joined the church's grief support group and then attended church the following Sunday. Mr. Connington said staff members have one-on-one conversations with people that were sent to them by glue and sometimes offer rides to church. Since the start of the pandemic, Glue CEO Scott Beck said the company has been focusing on how to help churches get more attention on Google search. For example, the company has a program for churches to pull their funds together and buy search keywords, which is something a single church cannot afford on its own. So when users search for keywords and terms such as, quote, how to deal with grief or, quote, how to have a strong marriage, one of the results they could get is an ad that takes them to a landing page that is created by Glue. The page prompts them to enter their contact information to be connected to someone from a local church. Users can also come across the landing page through targeted ads on Facebook. Once they enter their information, Glue's platform pairs the user with a local church client. Glue said it selects the churches based on proximity, the programs offered by the church, and capacity. So Dr. Margot McClinton Stoglin worked with Concord Church in Dallas, Texas, and also a nonprofit partner of that church that offers counseling. 
She said the Baptist Church tried Glue's new service after signing up with the firm back in May 2020. Glue connected her with a woman who was struggling with the death of her son and had given her contact information through one of its landing pages. She reached the woman by phone and then prayed with her. Dr. McClinton Stogling also provided information for the woman to sign up for the Concord Church as well as the non-profit partner for further counseling. So to wrap up, I discussed the downward trend in religion in the U.S. since 2009, how churches and religious services have changed since the pandemic began, and how some churches are using data analytics to target potential worshippers. This trend is likely going to continue well into the future, regardless of the nature of the pandemic. It appears that the pandemic only fast-tracked existing issues and trends within society. So we now have one more thing to pay attention to, which is basically how religious organizations could be using our data that they obtained from, well, God knows where. As I mentioned earlier, one of the companies that is fully immersed in this line of business has several data points on about 74% of Americans. 74% is the big number, don't you think? So that's all I have for this episode of the Beat Picture Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Beat Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorski. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Bidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.